When he turned his back from shoulder to shoulder, it looked like as wide as the tailgate of a truck. And this darkness, literal darkness, just came like all over, just, just all over me except where I was standing. This thing let out the most blood-curdling, mind-blowing, spine-tingling scream that you've ever heard in your life, and it cut through me like a knife. And I knew that they were going to take me. I just knew it. And then the next thing I can remember is being levitated. Well, when I look in there, uh, I see two big eyes staring back at me. Hello and welcome. You're listening to The Bump Podcast, a place for the believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. Join us, and we'll go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. I got a good show for you today. It's another one. It's all about Sasquatch, I think. Um, today I'm going to talk with Trey. He has a very popular Instagram account called Squatch Me Now. Uh, he also has a blog. You know, he has a site, and I'll post links in the show notes for that later. I reached out to Trey just because you know I love his his Instagram account. I asked him if he wanted to come on the show and talk about all things Bigfoot and Sasquatch, and he jumped right on it, and I cannot wait to talk to him. I have no clue where this is going to go, but, you know, we'll, we'll figure it all out together, right? We're just going to have a good conversation. Uh, like That's the way I like to do it anyway. You guys know that. I just like to uh, get somebody on the show, and as they talk, I learn with them. Unless you send me an email that's detailed about all the stuff that you want to talk about, we kind of just let the conversation go where it wants. And then we'll get into, you know, questions and trying to figure stuff out together. So in just a few seconds, I'll go ahead and bring Trey on. Well, I run. Okay. All right. So my name is Trey Howell. Um, I am in, I have a background in film production, video production. Um, in the last five to 10 years, I've moved into marketing and I produce uh, and manage social media accounts. I create content specifically for social media. And um, that's sort of how I uh, segued into creating the Instagram account, uh, Squatch Me Now. Um, and that account is primarily used for presenting purported evidence, uh, primarily photographic track and news report evidence of um, the Sasquatch phenomenon and, and what that is and, and how it exists in our world. I try to put up some of the best videos and ones that maybe people haven't seen and uh, you know, let the discourse go from there in the comments and, and you know, let the community talk about it and uh, discuss what they think. Of, of the evidence that we have now in the world of cell phone cameras and everything else. Um, so, uh, you know, um, Bigfoot's always been something that's been uh, an interest of mine. I've had some paranormal experiences in my youth, but they weren't Bigfoot related, but it certainly opened my mind to the potential of things uh, like Bigfoot. And, 
in my mind, it's not really a paranormal question. I think there's plenty of um, biological, uh, historical, and you know, sort of uh, written history of uh, of these creatures. And you know, now we're looking at uh, new evidence all the time of early hominids. Uh, that existed. We know at one point the Earth was likely a planet of the apes in a sense of we were dealing with a large number of hominids varying between human and ape. And these, or, you know, these early humans were interbreeding. You know, Denisovans and Neanderthals both interbred with humans. So the question is, um, are we dealing with some sort of um, um, progeny of those early humans that still exist have continued to evolve in their own way and uh, parallel to human civilization. So uh, that's sort of my interest in this. There's obviously lots of aspects to the Bigfoot um, phenomenon that can't be explained simply by early hominids uh, just developing, but maybe they can. You know, um, I don't think any of us have any real answers, but it's all about the search for the truth on this subject um, for me. So um, in the last year and a half or so, I've started filming a documentary, which was put on hold, unfortunately, early last year for obvious reasons. Um, and we're back to it now. But um, this document documentary will sort of tackle all aspects of this phenomenon right now. Um, it will include um, the history, obviously, um, and current sightings and how those may or may not be uh, real. Are they faked? Are they real sightings? We'll delve into everything from how you would hope something practically uh, using uh, CGI or you know, um, other means. And uh, we'll also dig into current areas that are hot. We're gonna be visiting those and doing some field work. So it's, uh, and using sort of that modern technology that we now have like drones um, to really get a, a new look at, at the subject from those areas. What I would eventually like to do is be able to really sit down in a one spot that we know is hot for a long period of time. I think a lot of these shows uh, bounce around too much. You know, you're in one spot for one night or even a week or even two weeks, it's not enough. You know, you need to be in those spots uh, with a significant, um, number of people for a significant amount of time. I would say probably three months maybe uh, in one area just to get a just to get a real look at what's going on there. Um, so unfortunately all these shows don't have the budget for that. I understand. It really needs to be more of an operation to uh, you know a serious research operation that is filmed as opposed to a TV show that's being made. Because coming from that background, I know that these shows are being made to be TV shows. They're not being I think that's where a lot of our frustration comes from as researchers, uh, is that uh, these are being made for television as being made uh, to be a show. It's not being made to be real legitimate research. Uh, they may do some things that are have aspects of legitimate research, uh, but they just don't have the budget or the time uh, to actually do it. So we need, we need a Jane Goodall kind of situation, uh, but probably much more aggressive and uh, with more people um, over a long period of time to really get the truth on this. You know, we, I, I hear all the time on social media about 
why is it why is the picture so blurry why is it so low res why is it this why is it that well uh most cell phone cameras have you know uh i think maybe a 24 millimeter lens which is extremely wide most nature photographers are using about a 200 to 400 millimeter lens which oh, wow. is an extremely long lens when you see those guys on the field working for national geographic and their lenses you know this long uh and they're 100 yards away and still getting beautiful footage that's why that lens costs about 15 to twenty thousand oh dollars and you've got your 1200 iphone you're like why can't i get well there's a difference between focal length and resolution you know so you could have 4k resolution or 8k resolution from 100 yards away and you're still not going to get a perfectly in focus high resolution shot of that bigfoot because you don't have the focal length that's just basic photography um and you can zoom it in and zoom it in and zoom it in on that resolution but it's only going to go so far before it starts get starts to get pixelated um and then you have the issue of a lot of stuff that's uploaded to the internet is then compressed and then when it's downloaded it's compressed and then when it's re-uploaded it's compressed and so things get you know they uh lose resolution and quality over time as their life goes on on the internet and they get passed around so there's a lot of things to dive into when it comes to photographic evidence today for these creatures um but uh it's uh it's a complex subject <laughs> uh, from a lot of aspects everything from origins of the creatures to you know diving into the different aspects of why we don't have why is bigfoot always blurry you know there's that whole joke he's he's always blurry he just is blurry Let's deal with shutter speed you know i mean there's i can go into so many things about photography and why it would be hard to photograph a bigfoot film a bigfoot even if you saw one and then you're in the moment you know you're in the moment you don't have the right equipment you're not necessarily close enough the lighting's not perfect your shutter speed's not set right you know there's all kinds of different things that are going on um as to why bigfoot's blurry but it has nothing to do i don't think could be that's a whole nother subject, but why Bigfoot? I mean, it is, you know, there's so many rabbit holes. In this. But from a photographic standpoint, um, Bigfoot being blurry, go out and, you know, try to get a good photo of a coyote, you know? Yeah, that's what I was going to say. How long is it going to take you with that deliberate intent? You might walk out one morning and a coyote is just feeling really docile sitting on your back lawn, maybe, and you happen to get lucky and get a good photo. Coyotes are pretty prevalent all right. over the country uh and they're not as smart as what we're likely dealing with um so you know um yeah there's i could go on and on and i do in, in the comments on social media typically uh when you know trying to have these conversations and educate people simply on uh, you know, the complexity of just getting a good photo of any wild animal it's it's extremely difficult national geographic puts people in the field for two three five ten years just to get footage of really rare animals and they're out there that entire time with probably fifty thousand dollars worth of equipment not including what they're actually it costs for them to just be there so right. this is an extremely big investment to get quality uh, photographic evidence we need and no one's putting that money on you know even this big you know why one of these big studios hasn't already jumped on the opportunity i mean they have millions and millions of dollars you could put five people out 
with a lot of good equipment for 20 years if you need to to get nobody's done it why right. well good question yeah it, it is a good question unless it would be just to uh and, and the thing is if they did prove it you know they what reward would they get in return other than selling the hot debate for the last you know 100 you make a lot of money on the footage right yeah well you make a lot of money i mean there's plenty of money to be made in it um i don't i mean i think there's there's plenty of money there i mean the bigfoot industry without any um solid evidence or anything else is is pretty popping off right now anyway it's it's very successful um it's a successful brand element that has no licensing fees but um you know i don't think it's that big of an investment for hollywood to to jump into something like that put people out to get the footage we need i think there's probably other reasons why they're not investing in it i think there's you know, um there's probably agendas involved that you know they don't want that information out there otherwise they probably would have already done it um somebody already knows we know there's a heavy uh influence from alphabet agencies in hollywood right now so um, there's probably probably an intent to keep that not i mean most bigfoot movies there hasn't even been a if we're just talking about a fictional film, a narrative film, there hasn't been a really good big budget or even decent budget. Everything's low budget in the Bigfoot right. cinematic world. Why? Nobody can get the money to do like a really good high level. I mean, I guess since Harry and Henderson, right? <laughs> yeah, the, yeah right. the biggest budget, most mainstream Bigfoot movie ever made. Why? It's such a big brand. You don't have to pay for it to use it. It's like, Hercules or something, you know, it's, it's before copyright. So um, to me, that's another thing that's very interesting is why hasn't this been pursued? So uh, that's something I plan to do. It's something I'm working on. I'd have uh, fictional narrative projects as well as um, documentary projects that are gonna sort of work with each other. Um, I don't wanna put out, uh, you know, I think that's something, there's been a few good movies. What's your favorite Bigfoot movie? Uh, well, my favorite Bigfoot movie uh aside from the you know the comedy harry and the henderson right uh the right. movie exists was pretty good it was but it was kind of like a uh campy horror film you yeah, know it's a, you could you could take bigfoot out and stick jason Voorhees in there and it would have worked just the same you know but that's true that's it, true yeah it was pretty that was well done yeah 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 it was well done i really liked that movie i thought i'm not even a huge fan of the found footage style of cinema right. um primarily because typically those movies don't show you anything <laughs> you never <laughs> see it. that was one thing i liked about exist you actually saw the creature yeah they didn't at some back point um yeah so that was a really well done film i would say I, that's in my probably my number one as well um so yeah, but there's not overall. There's a lot of Bigfoot movies. There's not a lot of good ones. And that's right. that's unfortunate because it's a really interesting subject. Um, what would you say your top uh, Bigfoot video is? Well, of like supposed real Bigfoot video. Yeah, I, I know that'll be everybody's go-to, but the Patterson Gimlin film, I thought was right. great, especially right. after uh, Astonishing Legends. That podcast got a hold of it, and they did like an eighteen-hour breakdown of the of the video. Oh, yeah. uh, they did a really good job with it, but yeah, I liked that. But there's a couple other ones I like. Um, there's one I I don't even know the location. It might have been Utah, might have been Washington, but it was just a, a far off shot. It was like I think a dad hiking with his kids, and in the distance 
you just see this big silhouette at first, you know, stand up and then it turns yeah. around and walks behind the tree line. And, yeah, that was a recent, you know, in the yeah, last few yeah, years. Yeah, last few years. And I just, for whatever reason, that one struck me as legit. So broad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to create even a suit that, that is that broad, that from that distance still looks, I mean, that thing still looked five feet wide at least, right? I mean, yeah, that was a monster. It was huge. That was like Hulk size, you know, yeah. it's like a Hulk size. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I think uh, that's why I was, there I was taking them back. It's, yeah, it was a good one. That was a good one. It's so, ex- yeah. Any, what, yeah. Some, cre- some, some yeah, of your favorite ahead. ones. What are your some of some of your favorite ones that you you've had on your? Well, you know, we talked about earlier. I think um, one of my favorites is certainly the Russian leaping yeti or leaping almosty video, where there's a young Russian boy and he's talking to his dad who has the camera and you see this giant muscular creature leaping uh, through the forest out in the distance. Um, the athleticism of that one alone. Uh, sells me and just with my background in film production i can tell you that's not cgi or or something like that it would have to be somebody doing it in a suit and i don't think anybody could do that in a suit i don't think i think people underestimate what's possible physically in any of these prosthetic suits it's extremely difficult uh i don't know that a human can move like that at all some of the leaps that thing makes are just nice. superhero level stuff um the independence day footage um where you see the creature come out from behind the rocks, go down, pick up a baby, come back, keep walking. And that's another one. You ever walk through a rock field without looking down at your feet, (laughs) downhill, through a rock field, a boulder field, carrying something in a big suit. At this angle, uh, I think doing something like that is extremely difficult. And the whole time, this creature is looking at the camera. It's looking at whoever is filming which I don't think we know yet or have ever has ever been disclosed he's filming that. Um, but something like that. So then to, to hoax something like that, let's talk about it. You got to have a pretty solid suit. I thought that suit was pretty good. Say that's a suit. Let's just yeah. throw it out there. This is a hoax for the sake of argument. It's a good suit. It's an expensive suit. Several thousands of dollars in suit. Then you've got it, either a puppet where they've got it where they you know, the person, the Bigfoot suit has put their hand into the smaller baby puppet and is manipulating it, which I guess is possible. Or you have some sort of animatronic baby, which is more of what it looks like. It's like moving around and it looks like the mother is actually having to, I have a 10 month old, so I know. It's really, you know, uh, so if I was walking with him through something like that, it, that's, it looks like that same kind of, you know, dealing with a, a wiggly, to- you know, sort of toddler, a young uh, child. And then it's walking at this fairly steep angle, I would say, through a boulder field and staring at the camera the whole time, never looking at where it's going. And now we're doing it in a Bigfoot suit. So now you have, if it is a hoax, you've got somebody that's either managing an animatronic, operating with some sort of controls, operating a puppet while wearing a Bigfoot suit, looking directly to one side, staring while they walk downhill through a boulder field and they never trip. And it's smooth, it looks smooth. These are the kind of things we've got to start looking at as the Bigfoot community and really thinking about logically. Everybody wants to say that's just a suit, but go to Walmart, buy a $50 gorilla suit, and go walk through a boulder field, you know, staring in one direction the whole time and never looking at your feet. Just go, just go try it. Come back, 
leave us a comment on Squatch Me Now about how you know you broke your head open that day and had to go to the emergency <laughs> because it's it's not it's not going to happen. I guarantee you, you're going to come out with a sprained ankle or something. Yeah, it's very difficult, and so uh, you know I think we need to start looking at not just automatically saying that's a suit because you can't be Bigfoot, right? Um, but looking at how difficult it would be to actually pull off whatever this creature is doing in a suit. Um, and then look at, you know, what it would take just to produce the suit in the first place. Um, right. I think the patterson Gimlin is, is one of those where it's really good uh, because you can see the musculature. There's nothing, back then they weren't doing under uh, sort of under muscle suits. Mm -hmm. We do those now, we pour them with foam. Um, there's lots of foam latex sort of uh, appliances that you can put, sometimes doing pieces, sometimes it's, they're sewed onto a, like a, a body suit, but that wasn't being done at all right. in the 1960s. Right. We were nowhere close to that at all. You know, you, you still have these sort of like semi-rigid mask, uh, just giant headpieces for Planet of the Apes, you know, that are going over and they, then they're sewing like slaps of fake fur together and like, you know, big pieces of fake fur together to make the rest of the suits. And if you look at Planet of the Apes, most of their bodies are covered with some sort of clothing you know, that the apes are wearing. Yeah. To show musculature and moving muscles, even today, you, you're, even with a muscle suit today, you're not going to have the flex of the muscles. You know what I mean? You'll have the muscles and they might move a little bit because they're laying on top of existing muscle, but you're not going to see the muscles actually playing under the skin and the hair like you do in a lot of these uh, videos. I posted one the other day. It's a trail cam video, and of course, you know, immediately it becomes, oh, that's a hoax. But it was taken with a trail cam that has an obvious IR camera flowing. And, you know, with an IR, you'll see through thin hair, you mm -hmm. know. A lot of times you hear people talk about, you know, it looked like it was pretty thick fur, and then they, the sun hit it the right way, and you could see through the hair, you know. Um, anybody that's had thinning hair, as you and I probably know, that, you know, that you get to that point where, you know, the hair is thin enough where, you know, when the sun hits it right, you can see through it. And that's uh, exactly what we're seeing in this video. It looks like a very hairy person's leg. You can see the muscles moving and it looks like the IR camera is hitting that hair just right. So you can see through it and see those muscles working. That's something you're not just gonna fake, right. you know? It's something that even, look at, look at CG now, the most high-end, you know, ILM, CG coming out um, that creates things like the Hulks for the Hulk for the Avengers, those kinds of creatures. How bad does that CG look? It doesn't, still doesn't look realistic, right? The Hulk still, after all these years, and I keep going back to the Hulk because I feel like that's a similar like body style to a lot of the Bigfoot, not all, but a lot of the Bigfoot witness accounts. So that sort of bodybuilder look, you know, really thick and really broad. It still doesn't look right. After all these years, they've been making Hulk movies now with CG Hulks for what, 20 years? Yeah, yeah. And it still doesn't look believable. It's cool, it's fun to watch. Oh, it's the Hulk. It's still based on a comic book. It doesn't look believable. And you are able to suspend that because you're like, oh, this is the Hulk, you know, and this is the comic book movie and whatever. It's extremely difficult to create that effect um, practically or through computer generation. So, um, you know, if you can see muscle flex, uh, and you can see the ripple of muscles under the skin. I'm going to say that's, they either found a really big dude 
I mean, what, at what point does Occam's razor take over here? At what point does it just become too unbelievable for it to be faked? Um, so uh, there's a lot more really great evidence out there. People tell me all the time, when are we actually going to see a real video or a real Bigfoot? Go to the Squatch Me on Instagram, go to the TikTok page, go to the Facebook, go to the YouTube. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, because I, I think you post videos of real Bigfoot all the time. You know, hey, I, that's what's I, that's what's scary. That's a, it's a little frightening. People don't realize, <laughs> and I think what's really frightening is people don't realize. Right. People, like there, I mean, and it's not that I necessarily think that in all cases these things are violent or a danger. Um, I think you know they're probably closer to human um, than anything else, and so we're dealing with just like humans. There's dangerous humans and not so dangerous humans. I think humans would be a lot more dangerous. There'd be a lot more very dangerous humans if we were also living in the woods. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, yeah. No a certain survival instinct that takes over. We're crutching on civilization right now. But, um, but yeah, there's, I think, you know, I never say that I'm not a Bigfoot believer. I don't, I think that's a, that gets into like almost like a religious context. I'm not a believer. I'm an infer. I'm inferring there's enough evidence out there that something's going on. There's a legitimate, phenomenon that we need to be looking much more closely at than anybody is Um, and I think it's one of the most important and so I think the really the real conspiracy is not is there a Bigfoot or is there not a Bigfoot is it a hoax is it not a hoax I think is that there is a phenomenon that is real I think one of the biggest conspiracies is why isn't it being looked at more seriously to me that's the important question Um, I think there's plenty of evidence to infer that there's something real out there going on um, there's a lot of really good video, a lot of really good photos. I got a video, one of the first videos I posted on Squatch Me Now. I live in upstate South Carolina right now. Um, I've lived all over the world um, and, you know, for the film industry, LA and New York for quite a while. I lived in Montana for a bit. Um, but I there's actually found a really great video when I first started posting on Squatch Me Now from right here in South Carolina, about 40 minutes um, west into the mountains. And it's not, a, you know, it's just one video that some, some kid posted on YouTube from, the, from that area. Uh, and at first you look at it and you think, nah, I mean, it's, it's hard to see what's going on. But if you go look at my post and, and really break it down, uh, this thing has a conical head. Mm-hmm. It's red in color. It's fairly large. It's looking, walking through the woods and looking at the camera and it's you know that's a classic Bigfoot thing but again go try to walk through the woods and stare in off, you know off to the side the whole time while you're walking through the woods right. here's the here's the final thing that's really interesting about this is carrying a buck on its shoulders and I do a photo analysis so you can see this more closely it's got a buck thrown over its shoulders so now you're in a Bigfoot suit you're in the woods you're walking through the woods and you have a buck over your shoulders. Now, yeah, I guess people can do, people, hunters do do this. They're probably not usually carrying a very large, I think it was probably like a six to eight point buck. Wow. But it was either, and it doesn't look like it. If you look at the photo analysis, it looks like a bite was taken out of the neck of this thing. Could be a gunshot, sure. But it looks like a bite was taken out of the neck of this thing, um, which is very interesting. Yes. And then the thing, the thing is looking like this very fast. I mean, I'm, I'm going frame by frame on every video that I analyze. And, you know, if you, if it's 20, I think 
video is usually shot between 24 and say 120 frames a second. I usually shoot 120 frames in most of my projects, so I have a little slow-mo, but, um, but most phones are probably shooting 24 or 30 frames. This thing is going really fast with its head, which is interesting because something I've been looking into lately is that we think that ADHD actually comes from early humans living in a hunter and gatherer lifestyle. Okay. So it was something that we developed to be very aware all the time of what's going on around us. And th this looks like very ADHD type behavior. This is very like, you know, and, and so what we're dealing with now in civilization is people that have that um, aren't, it's not being used. They're not that extra attention, that extra um, brain power is not being used to be aware of what's going on around it in a hunter and gatherer situation. And so it manifests itself in ADHD. But this looked like someone that was very uh, almost strung out, just like very hyped and just moving so fast. I mean, its head was moving so fast back and forth when it would shoot a look over to watch whoever was filming this. Um, to be going through it frame by frame and seeing how fast they were moving um, their body. It's, it's just another one of those things that if you really dig into these videos, piece by piece, frame by frame, you're gonna find a lot of, you know, even at first myself, I immediately said, ah, this is some kids playing in the woods. But as I looked at it closer and closer, there's just things you can't explain. So um, again, yeah. any video you find, just, just take a, download it, find a way to download it, Look at it really closely. If you can even just get like a basic free editor, uh, NLE of some type to put on your computer, drop it on there and just look closely. Close. I bet every video you find, the more you look at it, the more you'll question what you're seeing. What, are you, what, am, I, what am I looking at here? The fact that this thing was carrying a deer over its shoulders just really, uh, and the fact that look, it had a big bite taken out of his neck was really just, I mean, again, we were talking earlier about moving into Bigfoot suits in a Bigfoot suit through the woods, moving fast, not looking where you're going, carrying a deer. I mean, difficult, very difficult. These are very athletic people pulling off these hoaxes. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I'm gonna have to get on there and look at that one because I don't recall ever seeing that video, but I definitely- That's, that's very early on. It's probably in the first, uh, probably in the first 20 posts, I would say maybe. Yeah. Um, and also- I'll definitely I'll send it to you. Okay, thank you. you. Can't find it. I found it interesting too that you talked about the speed and how that relates to being a hunter gatherer type of, you know, the hyper vigilance, the hyper awareness kind of kind of thing. Because I was just talking to someone earlier this week, so the episode hasn't even aired yet. Um, maybe by the time this releases, it it'll air the the week before. But they were talking about the same kind of thing, you know, about how in, you know, the hunter gatherer culture or they were talking about in primates, you know, with monkeys and the chimps, how jerky and quick their movements are compared to us, you know, that, that they feel like humans probably move in slow motion compared to how, you know, they, they react and how they, yeah, move. they probably see us moving in slow motion. We probably look like we're moving in slow motion yeah. to how, I mean, just imagine if humans had never created civilization. So we weren't crutching and we continued to develop to live in the wilderness, to live in nature. You know, we were hunting down mastiffs or, or you know, uh, not mastiffs, that's mastodons <laughs> yeah. with spears and, you know, rocks 
10,000, 20,000 years ago, I mean, imagine how in tune you had to be with your body, with nature around you, with everything that was going on. I mean, if anything, we're devolving through civilization by yeah. crutching on technology. Um, but it does make me wonder with all these big hominids that existed at the time uh, and all the sort of stories of how the interaction went between us, uh, was civilization in some ways created because of that catalyst? Where did we start putting up walls and fences and living together in groups more and larger groups because we had giants who wanted right. to eat us to deal with? You know, I mean, and then it, and then it backfired on them. And I mean, that's you know very well could be uh, one of the main catalysts for civilization being created is that we were dealing with a lot of other species of large hominids, and it, and it exists there in the lore of giants. The Lord trolls, the Lord, all these, you know, giant creatures. And typically they were big, mongoloid, hairy, you know, type things that we were dealing with. Hey, your mic is rubbing your mic's rubbing on your shirt there. I don't hold on. It might be the other side. One by the pocket there. I want to take just a minute to tell you guys about squatchsurvivalgear.com. If you're into camping, bushcraft, survival, prepping or just looking for an everyday carry squatchsurvivalgear.com has everything you need they have the gear to help you survive the worst day of your life you know it's just to help you be ready uh, for me i have the rock ape pack it's one of the backpacks that they offer it is it's a good size bag you know it, I, I took it out on my last trip for a, for a four-day camp and everything i needed fit in there um, they have things that go from that size down to like a sling bag. They have a bigger bag, you know, like the Grassman or the Yowie. Uh, and if you haven't noticed, they have cool names too. You know, they're named after, you know, these cryptids, the Minahuni. Uh, they, 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 they got it all. But the gear itself is 100% made in America. Every component is made in America. Um, the guy that's designing them and making them here, his name is Chris He's been on my show a couple times, but he's a uh, he's a veteran, and he went with the gear that he used while in military service, and reconfigured it to to be even better, and made it available you know to the civilian sector. Top of the line gear, absolutely bomb proof. I love it. Best stuff I've ever had in my life. You know, I've I've had Camelbacks, I've had LL Bean. I've had uh, some some really high end stuff, but this Squatch Survival gear, it just it steals the show. Uh, it's fantastic gear. So go to SquatchSurvivalGear.com. You can use promo code Bump Ten and save ten percent on anything on the entire site. Yeah, no. So you know, who knows what uh, what that you know if if whatever we call Bigfoot now, whatever existed then that you know is carried over. Um, if that wasn't some sort of catalyst for human civilization in the first place for us to, to gather together for protection purposes. We know we, that was yeah. probably the main you know, reason anyway, but we're thinking you know, saber-toothed cats and you know, these kinds of things and just general working together and farming and all that. But uh, there were certainly probably 
bigger threats, uh, you know, tens of thousands of years ago, uh, that giant, uh, hairy monkey men that were trying to eat us. <laughs> you know, I, that's, I never considered that, you know, that, that makes so much sense, you know, like, like you start talking I mean, about, you know, red haired giants and stuff like that. Yeah. I love, I love to hear about that. I love to learn about those cultures. Um, I live in the heart of Appalachia, you know, I, I live in West Virginia. Um, oh, yeah. we're completely inside the Appalachian mountains and within an hour's drive of me, we have, we still have the, the mounds, you know, we have several burial mounds around here that say, mm -hmm. you know, they're from the Adena culture or the mound builders and, you know, they've, they've done a couple of scopes through a couple of the mounds and there's eight foot long skeletons sitting in those mounds, you know, but nobody wants to talk about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? So right. I've been into right. science from the word go. Well, I mean, if we're looking at, I mean, we have fossil evidence, I think of what 12 to 13 early hominids, some larger than us, some smaller than us. Uh, certainly most of them were more well muscled than us. Mm -hmm. If there's 12 with fossil evidence, you know how hard it is for the earth to produce fossil evidence. Right. That probably means we're dealing with 20, 30, 40. I mean, how many different species were there? Right. Um, interbreeding in some cases, uh, which you know explains the indigenous folklore of women getting taken, which mm -hmm. goes everything from medieval history with the woodwos all the way into Native American uh, history in the Pacific Northwest. There's plenty of stories of women, even uh, down here in, in South in the Carolinas or in Cherokee, which is all Cherokee land. And they have a lot of stories of that kind of thing of, uh, they were more of actually a more peaceful uh, stories of it. The, they weren't women being taken. These were women actually, oh. well, hey, this is a good, this is a good hunter. This yeah, is a nice, right. big, good hunter who can provide. And they would have, you know, um, relationships uh, there's a book I've read, uh, I think I posted some about this um, on Squatch Me Now, but it's called A History of the Cherokee. Um, and there was a character called the Sul Kalu, um, who is spelled T-S-U-L, so I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that exactly correct, but it was both a legend about a woman who, uh, there was a giant from the West that came and she met him and he was a really good hunter. She was living with her mother out on the edge of the village. Uh, and didn't have a husband and she ended up having a relationship and then leaving eventually with this Bigfoot. Um, and then there was also a whole tribe of people or a whole tribe of, they called them people, called the, the Sulkulu that were known as masters of the hunt or lords of the game. Um, and there were the giants of the West that would come in probably in a migratory hunting that would mm -hmm. occasionally come through. Um, and they would, you know, meet with these giants from the west well um i think we're probably dealing with some sort of early giant hominids that were living in the southeastern united states probably in the tennessee area and would come into the carolinas right. and interact with the cherokee before they moved further west um, but it's a very interesting story and that's actually what my documentary is called which is masters of the hunt wow uh, okay and, and we're going to be dealing with um you know, first, it's going to be a docu-series. So the first episode will probably be about an hour. And we're going to deal with uh, sort of the Carolinas, the sort of area between Georgia, the Carolinas, uh, Tennessee border, that whole area where the Cherokee were really prevalent 
um, before the Trail of Tears. Um, and then we're going to look in, you know, we'll look at different areas of the country from there and hit sort of Florida, um, Ohio, obviously, your area, obviously the Pacific Northwest. Um, and something interesting too that's developed in this process, but I may hold over until I have more results and actually probably do the Ohio area is that I've got a lead on a hair sample. Really? A lead on a hair sample out of Ohio. Um, and I'm probably going to, and I also have a lab in Florida that's willing to test it. I'm going to nice. do PCR testing. But what I'm probably going to do is because I know the people at the lab, I'm going to be able to maintain chain of custody the entire time. I'm going to go to Ohio, pick up the hair sample, drive it straight to Florida and stay there and watch the whole and film the whole process. So we know that it was never switched out because that's always a question, right? Yes, yes, yes. So that's something that is in the works. Um, I'm in contact uh, with the people who had the sample and in contact with the lab. So it's just sort of making that happen. Um, of course, a lot of times when these samples get tested, it comes back human. Mm -hmm. Well, it kind of is. You know, it, it's probably the closest thing you're going to have a hit on is human. Um, right. So, and you, or it comes back undetermined or or it's something really random like goat or whatever, you know, it's always something, or it's a dog or whatever. Right. Um, but, uh, we'll, you know, we'll just have to see how that plays out. It's, it's uh, one of the most interesting leads I've gotten thus far simply because it is physical evidence of some sort. Yeah, um, and you must have a lot of faith in whoever collected this sample. You know, to I do, uh, you know, I mean, and it's, uh, you know, when you, you know, I try to, inter I interview everyone Right. extensively right off the bat and usually multiple times because I want to see if there's any uh, lack of continuity in right. what they're telling me. Gotcha. Uh, but I've collected quite a few very interesting stories and the ones heard before for these uh, for this docu-series. It's, uh, it's going to have, you know, it's a witness testimonies. We're going to do some field work. We're going to do some history. We're going to do can this be hoaxed? Every 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 episode, if you will, or every documentary film is going to have a video or two that we've decided to see if we can replicate this using modern filming techniques, CGI technology, prosthetic suits. I have multiple suits that have been produced already. Um, I have a guy that is an ex-pro wrestler. Wow. He's 6'7", 375. We're gonna be putting him in a suit and uh you know seeing how that looks so yeah. let's put him off on a hill on a hill you know let's say 100 yards away or however far you know we think that is how big does he look because this be surprised you'll be surprised how small something looks right at a certain distance very quickly this guy you know will fill up a doorway real quick yeah i mean he has to fit down to get into most standard doorways um but at a distance We'll see how big he looks. And we've even got this, the suit that he's going to be wearing padded up so he'll look even bigger. But, um, you know, we're going to use him to, to test some stuff. And then we've got some other practical effects that I've developed, um, some actual rigs that we built to try to recreate something like the Russian Leaping Yeti. How, can, how would you pull that off? How would you get somebody 
So you've got a parkour expert that's seven feet tall. Like, you know, <laughs> uh, is that what we're dealing with? You know, and as you know, uh, Michael Jordan ups or, or greater, you know, greater. And so, yeah, uh, that that's what that's one of the ones that I've been. You know, I said that's one of my favorites, and it's definitely one I've been challenged to. How do we create that video again? And I think what we're going to find the more we do this is that we're going to fail. Yeah. And that, that's a good I'm thing. Sure. I'm not trying to get there, but, uh, you know, uh, even, you know, I've discussed some of the things that I'm going to be doing with some of the witnesses that we've interviewed. And they're all like, you're not going to be able to reproduce what I saw. Right. And so that's something I'm going to have them go back and, and, and do as well as watch some of these attempts and be like, how close is this to what you saw? Um, because they don't think I can do it. They've, right. they've challenged me to be able to produce anything that's going to look as realistic as what they witness. Um, I've got one guy that, I mean, straight up in the headlights, this thing uh, came out right in front of the car he and his buddy were in, ran up one ravine, came across the road, ran up, kept running up the mountain. This was in Tennessee. Uh, but stopped for a significant amount of time right in front of their headlights. Um, this guy is shook. And he is a lifelong outdoorsman, um, still lives way out in the country, lives off the land uh, daily. Right. Uh, he's lived in the Pacific Northwest as well. I mean, he lives in the mountains here now but, um, but, and grew up here but has lived in the Pacific Northwest as well, but was going to school in Tennessee and he and his buddy are just coming down the mountain. This thing runs out in front of them. And I mean, you can see it. I mean, you, when you watch these interviews, you see it in their eyes, you know, you can see oh, yeah. when people are telling you the truth, you can feel it. Yeah. I think you can feel it off of them. Uh, and you can also feel it otherwise, you know, you can, but uh, just the look in their eyes is of people that, you know, have really seen something and people that weren't expecting it and people that it, I think it's even more so when, you, when you've got an outdoorsman, someone that's hunted and fished and just basically has lived a hunter-gatherer lifestyle right. coming up um, and thinks they're the dominant <laughs> you know, predator in the wilderness and then they have encountered something that you know, shook that worldview. It's, it's apparent in their face, oh, yeah. in their body language when you're filming them. Yeah. Um, well, this is exciting. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to releasing it, but I'm one of these people that's very uh, detail oriented, and right. this is something that I don't think we can afford to make, uh, you know, any errors with. We really got to do this right, and we've yeah. really got to put it out there to, um, in the right way, so that you know people are going to pick it apart either way. People, anything you do in this subject matter, someone's going to pick it apart, even if they like it. Yeah, you know, they're going to they oh, got to yeah. they got to do that. Just look at you know, any of our social media pages, you'll see it. Um, but that being said, uh, I think it's something that hasn't been done necessarily this way since maybe Monster Quest did a little bit, you know, they did a little bit of, of that testing. And that was probably one of the best shows ever. Oh yeah, I love Monster Quest. But even those guys could, didn't have the time or, or the, you know, they're still producing one episode at a time. You know, we gotta get this episode out. Um, so I think maybe, uh, I think it's the Memorial Day footage they tried to reproduce at one point. They had like a college athlete try to run mm -hmm. in a suit. 
Um, and it, but even that hillside was pretty open. There were no trees on it. Right. He was just running down a path, and I think he messed up his ankle. Oh yeah, he did. To do it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, trying to do this through um, woods and fields and uh, and certain gear and like you know uh, one of the rigs I built to try to replicate some of the athleticism to put on my you know put on my actors and athletes. Uh, you know, my big guy can't even wear it. There's the weight limit is is uh, is too low for him to even put these things on to assist with his uh, ability to run and jump. So, you know, there's all these we constantly run into these obstacles. Well, we've got this rig now that will help these people achieve more Bigfoot-like athleticism, but our big guy don't doesn't fit in. Right. You know, so it's like I'm, I'm I'm manufacturing machinery here, basically to to try to reproduce what Bigfoot can do in some of these videos, and my biggest guy that would be most comparable to the size of these creatures, who's still not quite there, but the biggest guy I can get my you know I can find yeah can't even fit into the technology we've built to try to be able to replicate this. So it's it's way more difficult than anybody thinks, and I. Um, I look forward to showing that to the Bigfoot community and, and hoping to open their eyes just the fact that a lot of these videos are, are much more compelling simply by the, how difficult it would be just to just to reproduce it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just for each fail that you have, that lends a little more credibility, a little more validity to, to each of these videos. You know, so absolutely. I mean, that's how I feel about it. And um, to say that someone like me that has 20 years experience in film and video production is having this difficult a time with a, with a team and a budget and, and, you know, uh, a passion for trying to do this right. and can't, can or can't, can't, we'll see quite pull it off, but, you know, some stoners in the country, <laughs> Walmart Bigfoot suit, they're the ones who are actually doing, it. they're the ones that are pulling this stuff. Right. It's, no, it's not. That's not what's happening. I think in most cases, and I think when it that is what's happening, you see those videos. They're out there. It's um, the ones that are set up to be serious at first, and then the bigfoot starts dancing. Yeah, and everybody, all the guys start laughing in the background behind the camera. Yeah. Oh, it's a joke. You know, it was a clickbait type joke video. Um, we see those all the time. That's what is happening in most cases. Um, no one's, I don't think any uh, prosthetic effects artist is going to um, not tell you if they're producing something as good as what we're seeing in a lot of these videos. Yes. They're, they're going to be trying to get that work. They're going to want the notoriety. Yep, that's uh, their brain. I would. Yeah, I know. Absolutely. Um, so uh, we're going to show you very soon. Um, I'm expecting a probably one year from now we'll actually release this but we'll be building up um i'm thinking next summer when i'm going to be actually ready uh simply because we got delayed so much due to covid yeah. um but uh i'm planning on going to uwari for a field some field study we'll be in uwari national forest uh we'll be in pisgah uh, and a few other sort of uh lesser known areas uh devil's fork state park somewhere going it's had some uh in the last probably 
10 years, um, some interesting sightings that are fairly unknown. Um, and just some other areas of my, my area of the Appalachians, the Blue Ridge and sort of those Cherokee uh, or formerly Cherokee area. Um, and trying to tie in some of that history. Now, when we go to Florida, the guy that runs the lab that I'll be taking this hair sample to is a big skunk, skunk ape. Uh, yeah, he's interested in, in the skunk, skunk ape situation going on down there. So uh, hopefully we'll have additional lab support and if nothing else, just this geneticist to talk to um, about how he thinks about, you know, what he thinks about that kind of thing and hopefully take him out with us just on some field work. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so what do you think are some of the more interesting aspects of this phenomenon? Well, you know, when I started getting into this, um, I always thought Bigfoot was Gigantopithecus. You know, I thought it was a North American great ape, lived out in the, you know, the deep woods of Washington, no big deal. You know, eventually they'll they'll discover it and it'll be closed, closed case. But I've talked to dozens of people in the last year doing this podcast. And then I listen to shows like Wes Germer has with Sasquatch Chronicles. And then I watch these videos that you have on Squatch Me Now. And I have no clue what we're really dealing with at this point. You know, I don't know if I believe, I do believe it's a physical uh, I don't want to say creature because I don't know if it's human or animal. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, but I get confused with, uh, you know, there there is a paranormal aspect to a lot of people's encounters. And I don't want to, I can't brush them off. You know, right. if, if they're seeing things, you know, they're seeing things. You right. know, and that, that, that's a big problem with some of these other, uh, you know, Bigfoot shows. They're like, oh, no, it, it can't. There There can't be orbs of light in the same vicinity mm -hmm. or anything like that so that that kind of stuff fascinates me um even the most simple aspect of this is when there's a, a set of bigfoot tracks going through a field and they just end right where'd it go you know <laughs> right. I, I don't think it's walking backward through its tracks you know just to throw right. somebody off where where did the where did it go right what yeah. happened so if you can answer Absolutely. that question I'll, I'll be happy with that, man. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. There's certainly things that, uh, that we don't know about. So I'm going to be, when we do our field work, I'm going to be including uh, several EMF meters mm -hmm. in the field work simply to sort of address that sort of more paranormal aspect. Are these things in any way affecting the electromagnetic field of the area? Uh, you know, a lot of people contend that perhaps they're moving in and out of uh, dimensions or whatever the case may be, mm -hmm. that would have some impact on your electromagnetic field that would also create potentially uh, some sort of smell, right? you know, if you right. know, like burnt atmosphere. Um, so I don't, I don't, we're certainly not going to discount the woo in any of this because we, me and nobody knows, right? If we had any definitive evidence of any of this, we would need to still be studying it, right, um, or, or researching. So I think it's my opinion that what we're actually dealing with here is uh, lots of different types that are regionalized, that mm -hmm. are descendant from different types that existed in prehistory, that have interbred, continue to develop, evolve, um, 
And so, you know, your Yeti is going to be a different genetic makeup than your skunk ape. And, right. uh, and that's why they look different. And then, you'll, you know, you also have not only genetic diversity amongst subspecies, uh, you know, regional subspecies, but also individuals, mm-hmm. you know, obviously no, we're not the same when we're babies as we are when we're 65 years old. Right. Um, and then you have different individuals within a, each, uh, you know, a population that have different physical traits. So when people, you know, immediately get on and say, okay, well, that doesn't have Bigfoot proportions. Well, how do you know that Bigfoot in this area have longer arms because they're genetically related to other early hominids that had longer arms, whereas these in this area have more human proportions because they interbred with early uh, Neanderthals or Denisovans or whatever it may be that had more human proportions. Um, and since we don't know what these early fossils looked like flesh out, fleshed out, we don't know how hairy they were. Right. You know, they're always shown to us as just very human look. You know, they don't have any hair. But that's just what some artist who was reconstructing it decided. Right. That's the narrative that they've decided to give us. How do we know that Neanderthals weren't much more hair covered or Denisovans weren't much more hair covered or other early humans weren't much more hair covered? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, until a short time ago, we thought that um, dinosaurs were scaly. Now we know most were covered with feathers, at least by the late Cretaceous period. Right. So, you know, we don't really know um, what these things looked like fleshed out. And then we don't know how varied their biometrics would be across all subspecies throughout the world, you know? And we know that, you know, um, people in warmer climates tend to be smaller than people in colder climates. People get, all animals get bigger in colder climates. All animals get smaller in warmer climates. So um, to say that the skunk ape tends to be reported to be slightly smaller and more human in height. Whereas in the Pacific Northwest, you know, they're nine feet tall. That makes sense. Yes, it does. Makes plenty of biological sense. So uh, I think there's that. And then, you know, we were talking earlier about what happened, what would humans be like if we didn't have civilization and just continue to evolve without the crutch of civilization and Mm -hmm. the crutch of technology. You know, if you want to start getting to some of this paranormal stuff, you know, we see ESP potentially in some humans. So right. when you get that mind speak and that kind of stuff, you'll start talking about mind speak and this thing was talked to me. Could they have developed telepathy? Could they have developed forms of ESP and that kind of thing? Because they've continued to develop naturally. They've continued to evolve in a natural way, whereas humans went off on this. Junk food. Other <laughs> <Yeah>. thing. <laughs> whatever that was and whatever suddenly 10,000 years ago sparked that in us and made us decide that that's what we want to do. We don't know what that is, but um, we went this way. If all the other early hominids went another way, they would have evolved in a more natural progression for Earth. And maybe that includes things like cloaking. Maybe that includes things like telepathy. Maybe that includes things like, you know, jumping through portals, being able to identify where the Earth's magnetic field has weak points and being able to manipulate that. We don't know. Um, like I your think approach. It's yeah, it's an interesting rabbit hole. You know, people get frustrated with me because my approach is I don't know. Right. I was trying to find out. That's an honest approach. And I don't, you know, I don't, you know. the only thing that sucks about it is 
when you talk about the woo, you you're going to lose a percentage of your audience. You know, you're going to lose credibility right off the bat to to a certain amount of people. And I don't know if that matters. It doesn't matter to me. I mean, my my show it does okay, but I I get hate mail sometimes. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. I, yeah. I get I get some negative Nancys on there, but it's okay if you don't believe that. But you can't ignore it. And how you're approaching it, like, well, how do you know what even man would evolve into had we not had the the crutch of civilization, as you said? That's a beautiful way to look at it. You know, that, that takes away it being a paranormal or a woo factor. It's a who knows what how we could have developed. It's it's not think, paranormal, it's just it's natural. Natural development. It's we don't, I mean, there's a lot more um, we know there are human latent capabilities that we're not tapping into right now. We know that we don't use everything that's available to us. We know that, you know, uh, we're only using a certain percentage of our brains. Yeah. Um, and, and then if the brain is being, is still compartmentalized, what if it was completely interfaced? What if the whole brain was working together at the same time? Right. You know, so, um, you know, yeah, again, my, I get, a, I get a lot of frustrated people because my answer is I don't know and I won't know and I'm not going to leave anything out or off the table because I think this is a much more complex phenomenon than anybody's giving it credit for because most people just want to be able to say they know right yeah frankly anybody that tells me they know the truth behind this phenomenon I automatically don't believe them right unless they have proof with answer so um and even if you knew the, the reality of one type of Bigfoot that you encountered, because those are the only people that really have any grasp on this, people that have had an account. How do you know that that Bigfoot that you encountered is the same subspecies of Bigfoot that lives a thousand miles away from you? It's, it could be a completely different looking creature because it evolved and developed to the different environmental factors, different genetic lineage, so people arguing over biometrics and is it human, is it ape, is it this, is it that, can it do this, can it, is doing nothing but getting us bogged down in things that are frankly irrelevant to the long-term study of this, uh, you know. And I think when we get into the woo stuff, you know, I think uh, it was in like an Iron Man movie or something where he says, uh, Tony Stark says magic is just science we don't understand yet. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, and to me, that's where a lot of the woo stuff goes, is that maybe I just don't understand the full scope of the world I live in. I mean, we know that we only see a tiny, uh, tiny percentage of the light spectrum. Right. What is out there that we, we can't even see? Exactly. You know, if you're thinking about, uh, you know, what would make perfect optical camouflage, if you want to talk about the cloaking woo thing. And people seeing predator-like things. Um, if you've ever looked at what's purported as real Bigfoot hair, it obviously it typically doesn't have certain aspects of human hair. It looks almost transparent. It doesn't have a medulla or anything like that. So, um, what if you? And we know that hairs are antennas. Right? Mm -hmm. That's why when you get the chills, they stand up. Right? Uh, so, what if you could send a let? Know, the brain is an electrical signal. So what if you could send electrical signals to those antennas and activate some sort of reflection 
Right. I didn't have a predator. Okay. And then the hair is flowing, right? It's all flowy, it kind of moves, it gives this almost liquidy effect. Yeah. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. Am I saying that's the absolute truth of cloaking Bigfoot, the cloaking Bigfoot phenomenon? No, but I'm saying we need to be thinking about what are the possibilities if people are experiencing this. If someone like Bruce Maccabee, mm-hmm. if you know if you saw uh, the hunted David Politis's most oh, yeah. recent yeah, missing 401 documentary, and you look at, hear the story of uh, Bruce Maccabee's wife and him talking about that at the end he's a optical physicist for the u.s government brilliant man brilliant guy um if he's taking it seriously we need to start taking seriously what would what is what could possibly be the biological scientific explanation for how these creatures are doing this not that's woo that's bs that's the wrong approach to science. And unfortunately, it's the dominant approach to science, I feel like, in a lot of ways. Yeah. This is what we know. This is all we know. We know everything, and that's it. That's not the way to do science. No, it's not. Science is we don't know. The, the dang scientific method is we don't know. Here's yeah. what we're going to consider to do to find out what we don't know. This is what we did to find out what we don't know. This is what we found out. And now this is what we think we know. Yeah. And develop another hypothesis to test that <laughs> that's how science works and the fact that it's taking people like me and you and people that are interested just interested in this and not real scientists that are out there doing this work is I mean, it's shocking to me this is such an interesting subject and it's so important to know the past and the future of humanity where we've been where we're going um you know people debate whether to take one or not What's the value? I mean, if you're just talking about, you know, people are all concerned about pandemics and all this stuff now, this, that, and the other. Everybody's suddenly concerned about the future of humanity's health. And, and I would say, in my opinion, it's going to be probably unpopular, but, you know, uh, don't crutch on technology. Take the natural path. Yeah. But, yeah, um, you know, <laughs> it's the harder path, but it's the, it's the way, it's the natural way of things. Yes, it is. Um, but... That being said, um, what would be the biomedical value of a sample, right? What's the biomedical value for the future of humankind if we could take a sample of something that's likely the closest human relative in existence that has evolved and developed without the crutch of civilization, (laughs) you know, the, the biomedical value of that is priceless. It is. Um, the genetic knowledge we would get from that priceless. So um, I think we're doing the good work here, just trying to continue pushing the subject and and trying to get some answers. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. If if we ever do, we may regret it, but we'll see. Well, let me ask you one one more question and then I'll I'll, I'll, I'll ask you two questions. My last question will, will be, you know, for you to plug every possible source for people to get a hold of you and to, to see your stuff and keep up with your documentary coming up my other question um what do you think is the reason that these alphabet agencies would want to hide um everything about this phenomenon why would alphabet agencies want to hide it yeah um but i agree i agree and i got a couple of reasons i think oh, i just wanted to hear what you had well, there you go. I mean, um, we're talking about the relevance 
and the value to the future of humanity. So I would say off the bat, uh, if we're inferring that this is a real phenomenon that exists, and I think we, we have discussed that we think that it is, I think they already have one. <laughs> I think they already have the information or I think they have the data. So then the question becomes, why are they hiding it from us? Not why wouldn't they want us to have it? So why don't they want us to have it? We probably have to ask them. They're the ones that know. I mean, I mean, they they know. Um, there's obviously, I think we all see that there's an agenda going on right now. Um, that I think more and more people are coming to the realization that there's an agenda in the world going on around right now that we don't understand or know about, and we didn't know was happening. It has been happening for a long time. Right. So uh, I wish I knew. I'm sure it's being used for military applications. I'm sure it's being used for a variety of other things. I'm sure it's being saved until a point where they're ready to use it for certain people. Right. Um, uh, why, and I think that has to be the reason why we're not seeing it in seeing it given a good shake by the film industry, where the film industry is being controlled. Um, at least. And this is the exciting thing about right now is that, you know, when I started in film production, I, t I tell the story all the time uh, to clients and stuff. I kind of explain about how things have become more accessible. When I first started, if I wanted an aerial shot, I had to get in a helicopter with a film camera. Mm -hmm. You know, I get, I get in a helicopter with a 35 millimeter camera, I get a shot. Now I throw my drone out the sunroof of my vehicle. You know, and I can fly it around. I can go for like a four mile radius and get shots. Uh, you know, I'll have a, a project and I'll be editing. And I'll go, you know what? I still need, I still need this aerial shot to really bring this edit together. I'll drive down the road, throw the drone out, get it. Uh, so things have changed a lot in production. Um, things have changed a lot in distribution. Hollywood's dead. Yes, it is. Everybody get ready. Get ready. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood's dead. Hollywood's dead and, uh, you know, the golden age of Hollywood was in the 30s. And in my opinion, that's when the first Bigfoot movie came out in 1933, it was called uh, King Kong. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, King Kong, if you look at the history of his size, he was way smaller in the, in the early movies. He was said to be way smaller. He was, yeah. now he still wasn't Bigfoot size, but he was way smaller. And if you think about, uh, these indigenous people interacting with this giant ape and giving human sacrifices to it and all this giving the women away yeah. to this giant ape to do with what he's going to do and all these things. I think, in my opinion, King Kong was really the first Bigfoot movie. Uh, you know, he was exaggerated. It was the 30s. It was, you know, uh, uh, it was a time of pop culture. I think a lot of things were exaggerated. But... So his size was exaggerated, but in my opinion, that was the first big thing. Getting back to the golden age of Hollywood, that was kind of where indie film is now. They didn't have much to work with. They didn't have big budgets, yeah. you know, um, but they did have some new technology and, you know, they did have the interest from the people. So we're, we have a upcoming socio-global issues. We certainly have probably an economic decline coming up. Well, what else was in the 30s? The Great Depression. Right. Why? Why was the bar movie so big during the Great Depression when nobody had any money? Because it's escapism. 
people needed something to escape to. So I think we have a new a golden age of cinema coming that will be comparable to that golden age, but it's gonna be independent filmmakers like myself and others out there that take advantage of Amazon and iTunes and all these other distribution platforms, as well as putting stuff on their own websites and taking advantage of the ability to accept payments and all of that. None of that was available when I first started in film right. production. We couldn't just, you know, now I can grab my gimbal and my camera and I can basically get steady cam shots in 4K and I can throw my drone up and aerials and, you know, I'm producing stuff that 20 years ago would have cost just with that little bit of stuff. You're talking hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. You couldn't even do 4K for that method. Right. Um, so, it's an exciting time for film production. It's an exciting time for people that want to make movies and tell stories to get out there and start doing it and to start digging into this stuff. You have a way to make it, you have a way to make it good, and you have a way to distribute it. So I would say that anybody that's interested in that, go do it. Start producing content, getting it out there, even if you just have to start with social media. Um, you know, I, I had this stuff in the works for for many years and so another aspect of starting my social media accounts is just start to build that audience yeah. um to kind of give them my take on things and, and what i i like about the phenomena what i like to look at in regards to the phenomena and then take that and uh, as we start producing more long-form content to put that out and give people an even better experience so that's where we're going um for me, I run a social media agency uh, on a daily basis. So that's a lot of work. So I kind of have to do this when I have time. Um, so it's, it's all my spare time when I'm not dealing with my, my family or, or my business, which is boom, post COVID, just do the, the change and sort of the paradigm of how you market and uh, the increase of direct consumer sales. Yeah. Uh, I can get around that and get around that. I'm now going to just trying to really produce my own content and get that out there because I think I have a slightly different perspective than most people do on this subject. I have a long history of um, skills that can bring a different uh, element to a lot of the content that's being put out about this. And um, so soon enough, I'll be making some big announcements, uh, not just about the documentary project, but about the also just uh, narrative film project we're putting out sort of the following year and uh, several other uh, pieces that we'll be putting out in the future. Some about other cryptids. I have a few other projects about other cryptids oh, wow. um, okay. that I'm also interested in. Uh, so uh, we'll be looking into that. I really want to just basically move into handing my marketing business over to the people that work for me now that can kind of take that and just be able to produce content on this kind of subject matter. Uh, Bigfoot's certainly one of my favorites, but there's a lot of other things going on in the paranormal world. And I believe that there is a paranormal theory of everything out there that we need to tackle. Um, so I'm working on that. Uh, and um, we can just get this country and this world back open. It'll be a lot easier to get it done. You know? <laughs> yeah, so, it would. Man. Uh, so that's what I'm, I'm hoping that all of this is going to uh, sort of clear up and we'll be able to be more free to uh, get stuff done. I did have a lot of older witnesses that weren't 
excited about getting in-person interviews done and i'm the type of person that wants to be in front of you and yeah. is if, if possible with my cameras and be able to get the footage right there especially for something like a documentary they're going to put out yeah you know, if, it, if it comes down to it and i have to do um this kind of thing for those interviews i will but uh, i'm really hoping that i can just get in front of all my witnesses so i can look them in the eye because i think that's important um face to face and, and really talk to them and, and get their energy because like i said earlier uh, in our early interviews that we shot you know there's a there's a there's just an energy coming on people that have seen these things and it's uh it's, it's very interesting so another thing that i will be doing uh, i believe in uh this fall is the bigfoot festival in marion north carolina okay so that's a big one um yeah. i went to it back and i didn't have a booth or anything but i I did check it out, uh, not last year, obviously, but the year before last year was canceled. So uh, I should be there and I will probably be there with my big guy in his suit. Um, awesome. And, and I'll be collecting witness interviews there as well uh, at our booth. So that's, uh, that's coming up. If you want to find anything that I do or want to talk to me or send me any information, um, squatchmenow.net is my website. Squatch me now on Facebook, squatch me now on Instagram, and squatch me now on TikTok is where it's going on. Um, you can always just send me a DM like you did. Yeah. And yeah. I will I will get back to you and as soon as possible. Uh, I'll, you know, I have people sending me track photos and structure photos and stories all the time. Sometimes I'm not always able to get back to them immediately, but I am trying. Also, we're doing a 10K giveaway for Instagram coming up very soon we're gonna be doing a mystery box with a few other uh fairly large bigfoot brands that you've definitely heard of and there'll be some cool stuff in that i just got uh notifications today that most of the contributors have sent stuff in already so we'll be doing some cool promos and we just released some t-shirts um, we do have t-shirts via our teespring with just the basic squatch mail logo but uh, i'm doing some exclusive runs one of my clients from my marketing company is called Soft Shirts. And they're a very eco-friendly, all organic, uh, high quality ring spun cotton t-shirts that are just, uh, I'm wearing one right, right now because they're super comfortable. Yeah. Um, and I think for most merch brands, I always tell my clients even before I started with Soft Shirts, you're gonna do a shirt, do a really comfortable shirt. Because people are gonna think weird. Yeah. That's the only point of doing the shirt to promote your business is you should wear it. If you're doing a really rough, cheap shirt that nobody ever wants to wear because it's stiff or uncomfortable, what's the point, right? You know, right. like nobody's gonna want to wear that shirt, so nobody's gonna see your logo. So we do have uh shirts through Teespring, but I've just launched a new shirt called the Anatomy of Big Flips based on Da Vinci's Anatomy of Man sketch. I have a concept artist that many years ago when I first started developing some of these projects did um, quite a few cryptids in that style for me. They're not all anatomy of man style, but they are uh, Da Vinci style sketches of various cryptids, including various types of Bigfoot and, and other cryptids as well. So we're gonna be releasing uh, several exclusive runs of t-shirts based on uh, the, that concept art that was done quite a while ago. And the first one's out um, called Anatomy of the Bigfoot, and you can find it on the Squatch Me Now website. And um, they're available for pre order. They'll probably go out uh, towards the end of the summer. Uh, 
and we'll have some in stock as well uh, once they're in on the website. I just am testing right now, so what the interest is. Yeah. Um, so well, I'll, I'll, also, I went to your site and looked at those shirts last night. You know, in preparation of this, yeah, I love that shirt. So I'm I'm going to have to get on the pre-order list. I'm sure because yeah, it's a it's a very comfortable shirt. And again, that's why I wanted to do it. It's, uh, you know, I wear them when I go out on the field. It's very uh, sweat friendly, you know, and it's very light. It's, it's a nice cotton shirt, but it's very light and it's very uh, breathable. So it's it's nice to be out there. And I wanted people to actually want to wear these shirts, you know, I wanted people to, I didn't want to spend a bunch of cheap shirts and people not really, uh, you know, pushing to make a lot of money here. It's just, you know, we're all gonna put it into uh, gas money for going to Big Foot. Uh, so that's, uh, you know, I have most of my equipment already. I have a drone with, uh, you know, VR uh, goggles, basically um, immersive goggles for, uh, you know, getting a closer look. I can fly and have basically a spotter out looking uh, through those goggles for and get basically like an Iron Man heads up display. Awesome. Um, we can target I get, you know, through those things I can target. But if I get a hit on something, I can lock onto that target and actually have the drone follow it for at least four miles. So wow. Um, so we're gonna be doing some interesting field work for sure. Uh, um, fall and late summer tends to be the hot time in my area yeah so that's when we're going to be uh, out the most and until then i'm still collecting more interviews and um, working on the some of the uh, promotional materials and dropping a one sheet poster uh, and then after that a teaser uh, from some of the stuff that we've already been shooting and uh, then after that you'll get a longer trailer probably towards the end of the year and then we'll have second trailer and then the movie will come out uh late spring early summer next year the first documentary um, again called masters of the hunt which is based on the cherokee name of the giants that came from the west because they would just slap a deer snap its neck and carry it off because they were the lords of the game masters of the hunt i love so it that's uh that's what it's called and uh, it's not really about hunting and killing bigfoot Right. We do have guns. We do have guns when we go out, but it's more for hogs and yeah. <laughs> snakes yeah. and things that are actual, you know, legitimate everyday dangers when you go yeah. out to real wilderness. Um, so, uh, you know, it's the masters of the hunt is not us. It's not uh, indicative of us going out trying to hunt Bigfoot. It's about just to honor the name, yeah, the, the name and the power. Not only of the, of the Cherokee, uh, which is the first area of the country we'll be starting, but just the, the power uh, that uh, these creatures had and that impression that they made on the Cherokee back in those early days that they encountered each other. So I love it. I love it, man. This is great. Uh, Trey, thank you very much. Uh, it's been a good talk. You have there's so much more I'm, I know that we can go into and talk about. We yeah, we'll even... be talking for days if we stay here, but feel free to do. Let's do this again sometime. Yeah, please do. Please do. Uh, holler at me. And if I'm, I'm going to go back through your social media and find that that Bigfoot with the buck on his shoulders there. Yeah, I'll, I'll find it for you and send it to you right now. In a bit. All right. I appreciate you, man. You'll, you'll right. be hearing from me a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> I look forward to it, man. I'm always interested to talk about this stuff, obviously. Sweet. Sweet. Well, All thank right, you man. very much.
Good to talk to you. You too. Have a great weekend. You too, brother. All right, that's it for this week, guys. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. If you just have to have more content, you can go to patreon.com slash the bump podcast and subscribe and be a patron. Uh, got more and more content on there every week. So I hope you enjoy that. Uh, to catch up on past episodes, go to the bumppodcast.com, click the episode tab, and it'll take you to any episode you want to listen to. Also, if you want to be on the show, I would love to have you on. Share your story with us. Go to thebumppodcast.com. Click the holler at me button. And holler at me. Send me an email, thebumppodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I'll get you on as fast as we can. All right. Again, thanks for listening. I love you guys. Until next time, don't stop believing. <laughs>